Welcome back to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, executive producer and former host, and I'm back in front of the mic today to bring you a special bonus series on five writing essentials, brought to you by Nick Childs, the industry writing coach for the College of Journalism at the University of Georgia. Nick and I sat down over Zoom to bring you this bonus series. In this episode, the third of five parts, Nick and I discuss the importance of the lead and how to make it engaging. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. We are here with part three of five um, on our writing series here with Nick. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the importance of the lead. So, you know, I sort of already boiled myself here with my first question, but what is the most important part of the story and why? Well, the headline is actually the most important part. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, maybe I didn't spoil it. (laughs) Anything that can draw the reader in becomes the most important part. From a newspaper perspective, then that's going to become a picture, a headline, um, a, a subhead, And then, of course, once those things maybe have done their job, then the reader is going to come to that first paragraph. um, And that's called your lead. And so, one, that lead is going to need to have to back up enough of what they were drawn to with the picture and the head and subhead. Um, So hopefully, all of those elements will give the reader a strong enough idea of what this story is about. Um, I find now on the internet that that subheads are probably even more important in many ways than the leads are because, um, you know, if I see it's about some issue that I'm interested in, then the subhead usually after I, I decide to go there will give me some idea of like kind of what this story's take is going to be. And unfortunately, I think in this very divisive political climate. So you're gonna, you're basically finding out, is this person's take aligned with my political beliefs or is it opposed to my political beliefs? And so therefore, do I wanna read this story to get pissed off or do I wanna read this story to have my beliefs kind of affirmed and feel good about myself? And so all of those are decisions that we're making in like a half second at the top of a, a, a story before we even dig in. So then it's the journalist's job to make the reader think, one, this is going to be well-written. So this is going to be somebody who has some kind of skill with the language. So that means that you're going to, be, to need to be as precise and compelling as possible with how you write your lead. Um, so it, it needs to, to tell the reader enough information about why this is something they should care about. So, so a lot of times that might be done in the second paragraph. Like I used to, to call when, when I taught students, often called it the, like the New York Times paragraph, which was often the second or third paragraph. So the first paragraph would tell you about something that happened. And then the second paragraph would tell you about why you should care about what happened or why this thing that happened affects your life. So, Congress passed a a law to 
car manufacturers have to make cars more fuel efficient over the next five years. So that seems like, ah, okay, that sounds like for people who care about that stuff, it might be interesting. Well, in the next graph, so in order for car manufacturers to do that, they're going to have to raise the price of, of, of new cars by 20%. And that means that gas prices are going to go up by an average of like 15 cents a gallon over the next two years in order for the oil, oil companies to be able to respond to this new law. So then you've definitely got my interest. Um, so that means it's gonna hit my pocketbook. So then that next paragraph is, the third or fourth paragraph is gonna be experts fear that this could have a dramatic effect, effect on like the working class in America, maybe even limit the, the types of jobs that many people in parts of the country that where they need their cars are going to be able to take. Um, so then you've basically brought in, you know, 20% of America and made it incredibly relevant to most of the people who would be reading the story. So that story that started out as perhaps not all that interesting by the third graph, you figured out a way to make it relevant to almost everybody who would be reading it. And so I think that that is what is one of the most valuable things that journalists can learn how to do is to, to think about, to take a step back and think about the big picture. Okay, I know what the news was that transpired. Um, what I need to do is to figure out how this is relevant to many of my readers. And so I had this thing that, um, that I now call my, the mom principle. Um, and so I use this a lot. And so it, the idea for it came when I was a young reporter in New York City um, before we had cell phones. Um, so that meant that in order for my mom to talk to me and to check in on me, she had to call me at my desk in the newsroom. And so she often would get around to, to making that phone call at about three or four in the afternoon. Well, this was, ours was a, a morning paper where the deadline was about six or seven o'clock. So that meant that like at four o'clock, I needed to have decided what I was gonna write that day and I needed to have started writing it. So I, and, and if I needed to make a few more phone calls, I needed to put those calls out so that somebody would be able to call me back before my deadline. So mom's phone call to me always came at the worst possible moment um, during the afternoon. But I love my mom and I knew she cared about me and was worried about me. I was in the big bad city in New York. Um, and you know, at that point she was, she was living in Georgia, um, her and my dad. And so I had to, I knew I had to give her at least a few minutes, especially if it had been a couple of days since I talked to her. Um, so she'd want to know, okay, what are you working on? So I had to tell her, oh, well, um, you know, there was a city council meeting and they just passed the law to, you know, make dogs illegal in the city. Um, it's like, oh, that, well, why, well, you know, I don't understand. Why would they do that? And like, you know, that, that doesn't even make any sense. So then I would have to give her basically like an explanation for why they did this and why it, it impacts on most people's lives. And it took me a couple of years, actually, you know, maybe I'm a little dense, but it took me a while to figure out that what I was telling my mom during those phone calls was actually the lead in the first two paragraphs of my story. So that made me realize that when, when something happens and I need to write about it, 
my question to myself should be, you know, why is this important and, and how would I explain it to my mom? And how would I tell my mom that this is something she should care about? Um, and that became the mom principle that that was basically thinking about the average reader who may not know anything or know that much background about this particular issue. How would you explain it to them in a very succinct way if you had to get off the phone and quickly move on to, the, to writing your story? How would you succinctly tell them what had happened so that they could understand it and then tell them why they should care about it? So that was the mom principle. And that was how I started to think about writing leads, especially news leads. Feature leads are a little different. Right. The news lead, we're cramming in a lot of information into a small package. So what is it that a lead needs to get across other than essentially what happened? And how, how do you do that in a way that's concise? Well, one, you, you try to, to look at your lead as if you are a reader who's coming across, across this lead perhaps scanning the newspaper or scanning the website, um, you know, they, they need to know very quickly what this story is about. So take a step back and read your lead aloud to yourself, or, or at least read it to yourself. It doesn't have to be out loud as a reader would. And, you know, does that co properly convey the importance of what happened? That Does that give me a sense of like, why this is something I should care about, why it's, why it's important? Um, and so I think that that's in anything that you write, but particularly in journalism, try to look at it as a reader would look at it. And how does that approach differ or does it from writing a feature lead? So a feature lead, you still have the onus to pull the reader in and get the reader to read as much as possible or read through your entire story. But you have a little bit more creativity, more flexibility in doing that. So that's when you kind of start getting into those to basic human emotions that you want the story to touch on, like love and hate or greed and envy or fear. So you figure out a way as, you've, as you're doing your reporting, and this is important, when you're spending time with this person, you need to be looking around constantly and trying to figure out why, while you are with them, what you think the lead is, of the story is going to be. So you need to be looking for the most important or interesting thing about this person. Um, you need to be aware of what this person's motivations were for doing this particular thing that brought you to, to, to write about them in the first place. And so when one of these things kind of pops out at you, you need to be able to then kind of burrow in while you're there and while you're doing your reporting and ask them all of the relevant questions that you would need. So for instance, if somebody is saying, well, I decided to, to open, to start this business, helping parents negotiate, you know, private school system or like the best private school for their kid after, you know, my child, went to public school and you know dropped out of school because they didn't get the services that they need and now you know my son is in jail and i felt like if i had made decisions earlier i could have saved him from this particular future by putting him in a different school setting so that should be like oh my god that's my lead so you need to then burrow in 
and ask them everything that you're going to need to know about their son and the school situation that he was in and, you know, why he didn't respond to it and when did they know or sense that it was not working for him and then what happened as a result to get as much information as possible so that when you then come back and sit down at your computer, you're going to have all the facts that you need to then be able to paint this really colorful portrait of what happened. So then you, you are able to put the reader there at the moment when this woman realizes that, you know, because she didn't make different decisions, like her son's life was ruined or something like that. So you want to put the reader right there at the scene. And so in order to do that, you need to think of it almost like writing a novel. You're going to need to kind of know what was going on, like, you know, what time of year was it, what, what the weather was like, or, you know, what the room was like, where it happened. All of these little details that will allow the story to really come alive when you tell it. It's important for you to be making decisions all during the reporting process and not just kind of passively gathering all this information and then sitting down at the computer and be like, okay, you know, what is this story going to be about? That's way too late um, because then you're just going to have very superficial kind of surface bits and pieces of information about a lot of different things and very little kind of multi-layered reporting that will allow you to really dig into something and bring it out in, in a very kind of powerful and dramatic way. And everyone's writing processes are different, but whenever you sit down to write, is the lead the first thing that you write? No, <laughs> no. So, so one, as a newspaper reporter, you, you quickly learn that you don't have time for writer's block. And so you start to learn um, a million different devices to avoid having writer's block overcome you. So one of the big ones is to just start writing. So you don't have to have, start writing wherever it occurs to you that you kind of know what you want to say about a particular area. So that may be the lead, but it may be paragraph five. And then you realize how to kind of phrase what you need to put at the top of the story. But like, you know, if, if you were writing a story about a profile of somebody and, and, and they had this wonderful dog, the dog clearly isn't going to be your lead, but watching their interaction with the dog kind of gave you some window into who they are. So when you came back, maybe you start writing about the person and their dog, and then at some point it's going to become clearer to you how you need to start it and to kind of get into. So then their interaction with their dog tells you something about their personality in a way that perhaps becomes clearer after you start writing out the stuff you want to say about them and their dog. So I'm just saying, whatever it is, sit down and start writing it. And often when I'm doing a feature story um, or some longer investigative piece, I, I have way more information than I'm going to use. And so what I often do is as soon as I come back to my desk, I start writing whatever is on my, at the top of my head before I even go through my notes. So I, I'm kind of writing in a very imp impressionistic way, responding to all the things that, you know, I remembered the things that are important, um, being able to describe these scenes, describe the person, the place, without looking at my notes. Because once you start looking through your notes and you start making your way through all this information, that's when you get overwhelmed and you don't know where to start or where to go. So just 
you know, when you come back and sit down at your desk, the things that are going to be the most powerfully on your mind are the things that were the most powerful impressions that you got. So those are often going to be the, the things that are most important to include in your story. So like kind of the details that you don't remember, you can always go back and fill those in. And I usually just kind of leave spaces for, little, for some quotes, um, you know, say quote here about the importance of a good night's sleep. You know, this person told you about a quote here about why she likes new cars or something. Um, you know that you have the quote in your notes, but you don't need to go and, and waste time looking for it. Just kind of keep moving, keep flowing with the narrative um, as much as you can without ever even looking back at your notes. And then once you've, you know, I can write out often like, even like a 2000 word story, I might write out the first like thousand words without ever even consulting my notes. And then once I get to like kind of the second half or, you know, more detail, then I go back to my notes to fill it in. But you should have some really strong ideas about what you want to say without looking, even looking at your notebook. Great. Well, thank you, Nick. I think that that wraps up our conversation here about story construction. Um, our next part, we'll be talking about writing about the other. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this special bonus series of The Lead Podcast. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy. This is part three of five, so be sure to tune in to part four, where Nick and I discuss covering the other. This podcast was produced with guidance from Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. To keep up with The Lead, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. Until next time.